Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Patow! That's me <laughs> kicking us off. <laughs> so welcome everyone. This is False Bottom Girls and uh, true to our roots, we are recording somewhat early on a Sunday morning. I know I woke up about 40 <laughs> minutes ago and I'm just oh. on my second cup of coffee. And Rachel, I feel like you've been up for quite a bit longer. Yeah, I've been, I don't know, like 6 a.m., but it's brew day. So you got to start early because we brew two batches in one day and it takes forever. Yeah, you can't brew all day if you don't start early, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you don't start early, you just brew all night instead. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's even worse. So as um, all of you can probably tell, once again, we are recording via Skype. And I am in my home and Rachel is at her brewery because there is a pandemic happening, whether people would like to admit that or not. So yeah. <laughs> we um, have actually discussed going back into the podcasting studio that we use, which is now available to us and decided that we're not really up for the risk. It's kind of like, you know, you, I trust yeah. me. I trust Rachel. We don't, it's trust not about that. We don't, right. like we don't trust anybody else who's yeah. in that, uh, who's been in the studio. And that's, if you, if you're listening and you're in the studio, it is not a personal thing, but yeah. out of an abundance of, caution for ourselves and everyone we know we've decided to continue oh, recording yeah. via Skype but and this I'm, episode... I'm high risk baby so <laughs> yes stay clear for me <laughs> that's right fighting off the people every day <laughs> that's right I am not I sit in my house so that's bad <laughs> sounds so like I'm sure you're bored but it sounds so nice you know, it's actually, I, I don't mind it at all. I made a joke the other day that the thing that I miss the most about working from home and kind of the stay-at-home orders is canceling plans because I <laughs> love just uh, either being by myself or being at home. So uh, I, I don't mind it. I rarely I rarely find myself bored. So Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I want to try that. <laughs> it's like complete opposite. Like, yeah, not to go off track from PDO, but you know, like Jen and I are taking our master, and well, it was supposed to be October, but that just got pushed back to next spring. Yeah, so a little frustrating, a little relieving at the same time because you know, when I signed up for it, things were pretty normal, right? <laughs> Wasn't dealing with short staff, full time, or like full capacity brewing and pandemic life, and so makes things a little easier. Yeah, you know, it definitely when all of this started and yeah, we we won't we promised we wouldn't turn this into a master podcast and we won't. But uh, we did find out this week that it got postponed from October to potentially April of next yeah. year, which was it for me. It really was a big bummer. And I've just now I kind of had a, a whirlwind week out of the normal uh, last week. So I haven't really sat with, OK, what does my studying look like going forward? But, you know, I was studying 35, 40 hours a week. So it's like all of a sudden I don't have a full-time job. Yeah. No, it's okay. And, you don't have to stop. 
Don't right, stop exactly. But that's, you know, at the, at the beginning with the all of the um, stay at home orders. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden my schedule is completely clear. And yeah. at first, I think I like everybody else. I was like, oh, this is this is great. I'm going to get so much done. I don't have to oh, worry I know, about right? anything. I'm just going <laughs> to study and like I'm going to get really good shape and like, <laughs> make these full meals every day. And those those are all things that I enjoy. But then, you know, you realize that you're going through this collective trauma with the rest of the world yeah. with what's going on and you don't have to do all of those things. But I had started to get into a rhythm of studying and I was starting to get stressed out about not having enough time to study. Yeah, me too. And like making lists of, okay, if I, if I have time, I, I'm going to do this little study project that I don't necessarily have to do for the exam, but it would make me feel more confident. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you don't have three months until the exam. You have nine months until the exam. So now you do have all of that time. And the challenge is whether you spend it that way and do all those things you thought that you would do. I'm just really happy, like, I was kind of bummed out because I couldn't take the Aroxa classes before the test, and that was really stressing me out, because I was, like, really relying on that, especially the one right before the test, Yes. to to get me through the tasting, because I am so busy right now. But that's okay, I mean, hopefully we get a chance to take it, um, since it's postponed till April now. Yeah, and that is a bright spot that I thought about, too later on when I, when I was talking to Tom about it being postponed is hopefully now this means that, you know, people from the UK can travel to the United States. And yeah. Can, Cause they're not going to let us in this class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause we're all feral over here and they're not going to let us uh, go anywhere. But uh, yeah. So, you know, kind of a bummer, but it is like all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I know I've mentioned on here before I've taken the North Carolina bar exam and the Illinois bar exam. And this is all very familiar territory to me to be studying all the time and still feel like you're not studying enough and being stressed out that you don't know everything. So thinking through like, what would I have done if all of a sudden, instead of 10 weeks to study, it turned into, I had six months to study and, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am now. And like you said, I don't, I don't plan to, slow down studying yeah. that much just because why not take all this time, you know? Um, yeah, seriously. Like, cause especially cause you don't know it's going to happen here soon. You know, things change right. all the time. Like, right. Exactly. And I'm in the middle of buying and selling a house and relocating. So yeah. it's definitely nice to be able to help with that and not feel like I'm doing that at the expense of not studying. Yeah, exactly. uh, because that was definitely the the trade off for the last couple of weeks of either helping to benefit us in moving or studying because you can't really do both no. at the same time. Yeah. So now we and if you've noticed like last. Well, I guess my I, I don't have I don't, I'm not very good with words this morning. But if you noticed, <laughs> we are using these podcasts sometimes to study like. Last time we talked about lactobacillus, and that was very much um, to help us as well as helping you. And same with this time, is talking about pediococcus, and that is to not only help you, but to help us as well. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's helpful for us to talk to each other too. Yeah, and it's super helpful to distill everything down into talking points and communicate those because that's when you can actually yeah. solidify your understanding. And I do, sorry, this is a, the probably not the last aversion that <laughs> I will have today, but you know, when you, and maybe, maybe you, Rachel, maybe people listening aren't the kind of person to just relive mistakes over and over in their heads. <laughs> but um, during our logger episode, when we were talking about um, Gabriel Siedelmeyer and Anton Dreyer and them coming out with the um, Vienna Lager and it's the, the Oktoberfest, the Meritzen style is what Gabriel Siedelmeyer came out with. And I said it was a Munich Dunkel and that's been haunting me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone listening, correction. Yeah, uh, I I know that it is a uh, Meritzen style and not a uh, Munich Dunkel that came out of that. Uh, I was reading something the other day and like it just like something in my head was like, you said it was Munich Dunkel. <laughs> and so since then I've been like, oh my god, everybody is everybody's gonna be like, don't listen to her, she's a dummy. <laughs> uh, so if you listen to that episode and if you haven't listened to that episode yet, because I know some people were waiting to read the book before they listen to it, just know that I know that I made that mistake. And in, in my heart of hearts, I know that that is not correct. I know. I feel like it's funny <laughs> that you say that because I was reading through some notes this morning and um, I was like, yeah, you know, Cetobacter, that's the difference between Flanders Red and Ode Brune, you know. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. On our Lambic episode, did I say PDO was the difference between Flanders Red and the, <laughs> and the Brown? And I was like, I think I did. I was like, I'm maybe I should correct that. I was like, actually, I really don't know if I did or not. So I was like, I was like, I think I might have said PDO instead of Acetobacter. So, you know, to our listeners, we need you guys to call us out on that stuff. So make sure you're you're listening and you're check facting us. Yes, <laughs> nicely. I, we don't need any. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it's yeah. up in here. We get enough of that every day. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, actually, today we're not talking about the master, as Rachel said. We are continuing our suite of episodes on fear-souring organisms. And so today we are talking about Pediococcus, which is one, or I guess I should say the other of the two bacteria responsible for lactic acid production in sour beers. That's right. And also, like... We were telling you last time how lactobacillus is responsible for a lot of uh, food souring products like sauerkraut, yogurt. So is Pediococcus. It's also a souring organism, not only in beer, but in food as well. They're very similar. Um, they are different types of bacteria, but they are similar in what they do and the way they look and the way they act. I think one of the big common differences is PDO will have a little bit more rougher, harsher lactic acid flavor than lactobacillus um, and produces a lot of a lot of diacetyl and as an off flavor. Yeah. Um, and you know what I think is interesting just about that, the PDO having a sharper flavor. It's one of the things I read that said, uh, you know, brewers will say that like PDO has a sharper flavor than or produces lactic acid with a sharper flavor than lactobacillus, mm -hmm. but it's producing the exact same 
compound, yeah. which is lactic acid. And so then, you know, they're like that, that means that PDO is yeah. either also producing other flavors that make it seem harsher mm-hmm. or lacto is not. Also, um, I don't know if this would have a difference in flavor, probably not, but PDO will consume glucose sugars and turn into lactic acid, but does not produce any CO2. Right. Um, like lactic bacillus or lactobacillus will. Um, but I don't think that would have anything to do with the roughness character. I think there is like a, um, God, when you say that there being something else that contributes to that, I actually remember reading that exact same thing. Um, more something that contributes to like the mouthfeel. Right. Um, being a little bit more rough than, you know, like an astringency almost, a little bit more tannic. Right. Um, than the lacto. So uh, lactobacillus, you kind of have this like milkiness to it for lack of better word. Like, right. uh, it's so weird. We were brewing mimosa goza the other day and, um, we were like boiling it and I was looking at it and I was just like, God, it's so milky. Like, it's just so milky looking, you know, like, <laughs> and like, it, it kind of tastes like that too. It, it's kind of weird. Cause like I had someone, try it and he, this guy owns a brewery in like england or something he's like it kind of tastes like um diacetyl and i'm like well it's very slick like the mouth feels slick on mm-hmm. lactobacillus beers and probably pediococcus beers a little bit too because they are the same lactobacillus uh, bacteria but um I was like, no, you know, I was like, well, first of all, that beer just won GABF silver, so it's definitely not that many diacetyl in it. Plus, I do diacetyl. Plus, I knew it wasn't diacetyl. I just know that it, it gives, like, it has a slick mouthfeel, like lactobacillus does. And like I said, I'm assuming pediococcus as well, just maybe a little bit harsher. So maybe, you know, that mouthfeel is kind of like the little bit difference there than versus the flavor being harsher. Yeah, and I actually am looking at my notes, and I think that's that ties in with what I have here that says that pediococcus, one of the explanations could be that pedio has, generates a lower pH. Yes. So that would, you're exactly right, that would, um, we don't really taste pH, but that yeah. would contribute to it seeming harsher because the pH was lower. And, and, and it can't be that big of a difference. That like, so pediococcus will cease to produce at 3.4 pH. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind of like the lowest it can get before, you know, it's like, okay, you've reached the amount of pediococcus you're going to get. I, my mash yesterday or the other day was 3.53 pH after, you know, after souring. And this is lactobacillus, not pediococcus. They are very similar, but they are different bacteria organisms. So um, the only reason I talk about my goza and lactobacillus is because the only comparison I have, because I don't uh, produce beer with pediococcus for more than one reason but um so uh fuck forgot what i was saying (laughs) (laughs) but anyways uh oh yeah yeah ph and so i mean i feel like i normally i I normally get i normally get like 3.6 or lower but um i just wonder i I just really want to get it down like lower lower and see like what's the like the limit you know Right. Like how how low until it tastes like shit. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I don't think I can do that with just grain. I don't know. See, that's my problem is I've only used grain. So I need other brewers to tell me 
what their experience has been with uh, like cultures or something. And that's another thing too with pediococcus. How do you get pediococcus? You just buy it from yeah. White Labs. Get it off fruit, maybe if you want it to. Um, I think. I don't think you can get PDO off of fruit the same way you can with lacto. I'm fairly certain that you would just pitch a culture yeah. um, because most of the time you would get it as a blend with bread. So it would be kind of like a two for one deal. Yeah, uh, any Anytime I've used PDO caucus, it's been part of a blend. Yeah. And that is a really big point with PDO caucus. It is. I don't think I've ever tasted a 100% solely PDO caucus beer. Um, yeah, well, you wouldn't want to because the diacetyl would be, would be so high. Yeah, exactly. Like, but, but, um, other beverage producers like will use pediococcus, like, um, you will use like the off flavor part of pediococcus, like, like in Chardonnay or even Mm -hmm. some ciders, um, to give it that butter or butterscotch kind of enhancement of their, because they're, you know, that's something they're looking for. Obviously with beer, we don't want that at all. Like, I don't care what the style is. Right. But, um. So that's why with beer, you like you just wouldn't see 100% pediococcus. If you have, like I don't even think I want to try it. <laughs> like, but that's why Brett is used so much with pedio because it will Brett will consume all that diacetyl. So um, it's like a very, which which is one of the reasons why I would never brew a pediococcus beer in my brewery. One is right. going to taste like crap, and two, like I can't like brewing a pediococcus beer might be safer. Like brewing a lactobacillus beer, unlike brewing a Brett beer, but it's going to taste awful. So why would I do that? Yeah, you know, I, um, I'll i see if I can find it quickly in my notes, but I won't belabor the point. But um, I wonder then, because there's the enzyme you can buy to add to your um, to add to the fermentation that basically instead of alpha acetolactate oxidizing into uh, diacetyl and then, you know, being reabsorbed and then broken down into acetoin. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an enzyme you can buy that just breaks down the alpha acetolactate directly into Mm -hmm. acetoin. So I wonder if you could use an enzyme like that to break down the diacetyl that pediococcus produces. So then you wouldn't need to use Brett to do it, but I'm not, and this is, um, maybe you know off the top of your head, Rachel, but I don't. I don't recall if that is that alpha acetolactate into diacetyl is the only way that diacetyl is formed in beer. Is that the only pathway? In fermentation, I think so. Okay. I think I think in packaged beer, it can become or like in, in draft lines, it can become a thing because of spoilage organisms in the draft line. Right. So that is uh, when you were saying, too, about having a 100 percent pediococcus beer, I was thinking of it from the the viewpoint of you wouldn't brew a beer like that. But I guess if you had a beer that got infected. Yeah. After the fact then it is possible. But then, it would, you know, that would be the beer souring organism. And maybe you could save it with Brett, but then you have to have a brewery that can handle Right. What I was about to say would be funny to like try to correct the problem by adding Brett to your draft lines. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm trying to find what what that's called, and I know that somebody's probably yelling at it, yelling it at me right now. But it's like ALDC or something is what it's called. Let me find it. I just got to the right spot. 
Yes, ALDC is an exog exogenous enzyme that breaks down the alpha-acetolactate ah. before it turns into diacetyl. So it breaks down directly into acetoin, which is t which is tasteless. So I, yeah. that's that's an interesting um, question that I might. I'm such a nerd. I give myself homework. So um, maybe I'll <laughs> look into that and see if that is actually something that you could do if you wanted to use pediococcus and not use Britannomyces. Gosh, yeah. The sound, that almost sounds like what you're saying. Like if you got a pediococcus in your beer on accident and you wanted to save it, maybe you could. I feel like it would really just dry it out. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like I, I'm picturing this like lambic style grist that's super dry. It's just like it's tart. I don't know. That tastes like doesn't taste tart but doesn't taste sour or wild. <laughs> right. But then, then I also think, you know, Britannomyces also adds its own characters to beers like Flanders yeah, exactly. Red that if you didn't have it, would it really be a Flanders would Red? Would it taste good? Yeah. Damn, my coffee kicked in and I'm getting fucking philosophical over here. I wish something would kick <laughs> in for me. God, I've had like <laughs> so many cups of coffee. Normally I'm more awake than this, but another part of... Uh, so pediococcus is a lot slower, correct? Like of yes. a producer than lactobacillus? Yes, a lot slower. So most pediococcus beers are not, are, are they sour mashed? Let me look that up. You just um, brewing a regular cook brew and then pitching pediococcus in the fermenter? You? Yes, yeah, that's, and, um, Either that or, like, if you're doing some sort of a spontaneous thing. But, yeah, you would pitch your culture blend directly into fermentation because that's you're getting the pediococcus during fermentation as opposed to doing, like, a sour mash or something yeah. ahead of time and having that carry through to the end product. So the other good thing about pediococcus as opposed to lactobacillus is since it takes a long time to – or a longer time to actually start – working it doesn't inhibit brewer's yeast from from working mm -hmm. whereas with lactobacillus that's why we were talking in our last episode you need to hop it at a high enough rate that those hops will inhibit the lactobacillus from starting to act right away because lactobacillus will start to act really soon and it will eat all of those sugars so it can potentially outcompete your brewer's yeast Whereas with pediococcus, it kind of hangs out for a little while mm -hmm. and, and then starts eating. So the, the brewer's yeast has time to fully ferment out and then it gets started on those um, like the maltose and the maltotriose and all the other like long chain dextrins that your brewer's yeast isn't necessarily going to eat. And, and then and, and when it does eat those, it is producing a lactic acid bacteria, just to clarify again. It's not yes. producing vinegar. It's not producing barnyard characters or anything like that. It's lactic acid. So right. um, so the barnyard I, and everything will come in from the Britannomyces. Sure. If you had it. Maybe you want a 100% pediococcus beer with diacetyl or maybe with enzyme or I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that is another thing I like to point out. And remind people is like there is a big difference between sour beers and wild beers. Yes. Just like there's a difference between bacteria and yeast. Lactobacillus right. and pediococcus are bacteria. They are not yeast. But right. Brett is a wild yeast. Um, so they can all be mixed together and do awesome things. A lot of them can be by themselves. But 
you can't just like have a beer with um, pediococcus. Like there needs to be some sort of yeast right. there for the fermentation process. Yes. No, that, same with that is an excellent point. Um, but it's very but well said. Brett, you could, you could, you could do that with Brett. It would just take a really, really long time. Yeah, I've done a 100% Britannomyces fermentation yeah. beer before. And um, now that I, like, I did it without really knowing a ton. Like, I, I mean, I knew what I was doing by using Brett. But now, like, reading through some of the books a little bit closer and just knowing more than I do now, I would probably do it a little bit differently. But, you know, not, like, not much. It's, you just let it work for three months instead of... yeah you know, three weeks to finish up and clean everything up. And then, um, then you've got a Brett beer. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Brett beers personally. I, the, so when I brewed mine, I specifically chose the Brett Lambicus. Um, no, not the Lambicus. Yes. Lambicus. I specifically chose a single strain because it produces more of those tropical pineapple Mm -hmm. kind of flavors. And I like that like the really light fruity Brett strains. I don't like the super, super funky ones that get like where yeah. you start to get some of that guayacol and like smoke and just like burnt rubber flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like those that are heavier on the funk. I, I prefer more of a fruity. I kind of like to think about it as a way of eating cheese, like goat cheese versus really stinky blue cheese. Right. But that's oh, you know me. I get down with that stinky blue cheese. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but I was, like, eating goat cheese. I don't, I think it was a goat cheese. Like, Orman's had put the cheese plate together. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, man, this kind of reminds me of Brett. I was like, this is a good way to kind of remember. It's just that barn guard character. But like yes. you said, Brett can do a lot. Brett can do more than just that barn guard character. But that's for our next episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't start talking I think about the other bread. thing I like to uh, point out about pediococcus is I even had a homebrewer like I don't think this was his intention, but I had a homebrewer telling me like, oh, I we went to try to go make like a kettle sour or something, and I don't I don't know I don't know what he did, but he um, ended up with a pellicle on top of his yes. um, wart, and he didn't know anything about it, and he was just like, well, that's obviously trashed. And I was like, no, it would maybe be okay. But uh, yeah. so pediococcus will produce this, like, it's called a pellicle. It looks like, they describe it as, like, ropiness. And that's kind of a good way to describe it. It's hard, unless you see it, it's, like, hard to, like, really describe. But just Google pellicle. And it's kind of like this mold-looking cheesecloth stuff that has bubbles and strings of ropiness yeah well and lactobacillus and brett will also form a pellicle but with pediococcus the ropiness uh, is um sarcina or sarcina or sarcina sickness yes but um i you are listening if you're not looking if you're not following the hashtag pellicle monday on instagram (laughs) go follow that because it's my favorite thing about mondays is people posting pictures of their pellicles because there's something they're beautiful like they're very like geometric Um, god there's the internet is just (laughs) yeah pellicle mondays are fantastic but uh, i've seen and i was actually going to try to find it uh 
to to see if I could post it. So maybe I still will. But um, if you've ever seen a pediococcus beer when it's still because the sickness will go away, the bread will yes. eat that. So you just have to kind of wait for it to go through that phase. But I a friend of mine has a video of a beer that she was judging that had that was in the middle of this ropiness and it's a video of them pouring it oh, and yeah. it is ah. yeah you watch it and you're like <laughs> it's, like it, it it's disgusting looking because it's just like you have to wait you have to not. wait until the ropiness is gone the ropiness yes. is okay if you want to just let the ropiness be but you're right that ropiness will develop in like uh, lactobacillus beer too which is what I think this guy was trying to do um, but there is a, a difference and you're correct about that so like when, like for us like if it happens on Lambic or when we open it up you know it's got all the crap on top we just we just boil it away and it's fine but um, for for pediococcus for pediococcus you need to like wait or let the Brett or let Brett do its job but like you're yeah. probably making a 100% pediococcus beer anyway so right. hopefully the Brett Brett is there doing its job and if you want to take a sample just push the pedi- the pellicle like to the side and get your sample you know like you don't need to like don't mix it in with the beer just let it be there yeah, let it try not to top. break it yeah because it, it also, I mean, it functions a lot of times to sort of like a, um, a SCOBY and kombucha where it protects that pellicle builds on the surface and it protects the beer underneath from yeah. oxygen. Yeah. And so um, when you're, like Rachel said, if you if you need to take a sample, make sure that you're disturbing that pellicle as little as possible. Yeah. And that's when it comes, what comes in really handy is if you have a way to take a sample from the bottom of wherever you are uh, wherever you're you're fermenting yeah. or letting yeah. it age, if you can take a sample from the bottom, then you're not disturbing that pellicle at all. And it won't impart any flavor into the beer, but it will contribute like to the finished mouthfeel of the beer, like a little bit of a drier mouthfeel. Um, but as far as I read, it shouldn't that pellicle won't contribute anything if if you let it finish if you let right Brett finish it and, and get rid of it and do its thing because the beer is technically sick at that point it is a sickness of the beer mm-hmm. but it, it's but, uh, yeah it's mucus yeah yeah exopolysaccharides <laughs> it is a mucus that the beer has created but beer does that beer produces flavors that are not desirable and then it cleans it up like and and there are flavors and there are things that brewers can do and flavors that can be produced that cannot be cleaned up. But the natural metabolism of fermentation of yeast fermentation will do stuff like that. So um, I think a lot of times people try their beer too early and think it's ruined. And you're like, yeah, just give it some time. You know, it's fine. But um, it's just something to keep in mind that beer right. is a living organism. It's going to go through its cycle of life and, you know, right. just like with everything. Well, and I remember reading um, with, I think it was um, Jean Van Roy at um, Cantillon who said, like, in the summer, we don't taste the beer because the beer's sick. We know the beer's sick in the summer. And um, another way that that can happen, and this is what had happened in that competition that I was just talking about with the ropiness, is that if your beer goes, if it goes through that phase of sickness in the fermenter, it's probably going to do that again when if you're bottle conditioning because what is happening is that gets formed 
that mucus is getting produced when there's higher glucose. So if you're, you know, Mm -hmm. you're adding bottling sugar or you're adding, you know, even if you're adding like yeast or something to bottle condition that beer, you're introducing new sugars. So it will also go through that ropey phase again if you bottle condition. And so if that, if you see that happening, you just leave it somewhere warm and again, just wait, just wait because the Brett will clean that up for you and your beer will be perfectly fine. Yeah. So you do got to wait though. It won't taste very good. Right. That's, I think for me, that's always the hardest part about doing, uh, like a bacteria, uh, you know, like beer souring organisms is just waiting, waiting for them to work because I'm used to brewing an ale where, yeah. The fermentation is done in three days. You give it another 10 days or so to clean everything up. And then, you know, two and a half weeks, three weeks later, you have a finished beer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a uh, style of luxury to be brewing. Yes. You, it takes a long time. You, you know, time is money. <laughs> right. One of the reasons why breweries start out brewing ales and then they introduce lagers and then they introduce kettle sours. It's like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know I had a friend, um, he has his own brewery now up in Michigan, but when he started, he was, uh, like a, I mean, it's transient artisan ales. When he first started, he was brewing at, um, one trick pony, uh, in Chicago, or actually I think they're outside of, um, they're in Indiana, but he was brewing there and he was at, you know, acting as their brewer. And then when they had capacity, he could brew his own stuff, which meant that he was putting everything into barrels, was doing like the mixed fermentations, was doing, you know, pediococcus and all of this stuff. And since he was able to like do that kind of on the side, he was earning his money brewing, yeah. you know, like brewing for this other brewery and then was able to, kind of open his own place with all of these beers that had been aging in these barrels Um, because you can't, it's kind of like a distillery, right? Exactly. Yeah. You can't just make it. And then in three weeks it's ready. Like you have to get your distiller's license, but then it's going to be another couple of years before you have anything to sell. Yeah. And being like a wild or spontaneous or sour, you know, beer producer that all of that takes longer yeah. So you have to like get all of this back stock, but you still need like, you know, you have to get your license and stuff. And then you just have all of this stuff that you're waiting to work. There are so many things in life, in this brewery life and pilot's life that need to happen before I would even consider <laughs> a barrel aging program of sour beers, at least. Right. But golly, like so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Probably never going to happen. Probably never going to happen. And that's okay. I actually really don't care. Like, I am not. I am so happy just making my IPAs and my sours and beers that go sell really fast. My high-pressure lagers. And barrel aging is fun. Not the sour beers, but, like, the stouts and stuff that we're doing. And winning my awards. Like, I'm so good with all that. Right. I I don't need the stress of, like, let's do a farmhouse brewery and make all these wild beers that maybe they'll come out good and... You know, like, um, that's just not for me. Yeah. Maybe See, one I, day. I think I would enjoy it, but, uh, yeah, the same thing. I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine doing, trying to do both at the same time because you, like, uh, yeah. it, 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 it requires so much attention to do farmhouse stuff 
you know, and, and making sure that you're checking like pHs and it just takes a lot more monitoring that oh, yeah. if you're a farmhouse brewery, I, I don't know. I, I know that there are plenty of breweries who do both, who do a fantastic job, oh, yeah, but for sure. I mean, you gotta have, you just gotta have like the money and the equipment and the staff and the time and right. And the skill. Um, yeah. so again, I know I plugged this in our last episode, but I will say again, if this is something that interests you, I highly recommend joining the milk, the funk group on Facebook and also looking at the milk, the funk wiki. They do a really great job of explaining everything. They kind of have their own sets of definitions. So there's, you know, we've talked before there's stuff in the Oxford companion to beer that, you know, there are blind spots because when it was written, people weren't doing a lot of mixed fermentation or weren't doing a lot of uh, souring on purpose. And the Milk the Funk wiki, I've, I have been able to find so much information on there that surprises me that somebody's already put it together. Uh, but that Milk the Funk uh, Facebook group is a really good group of people who are always doing some sort of mixed fermentation or wild beers or sour beers. So I highly yeah. recommend checking them out. And it's also a great place to learn. So I've been trying to do that more with, you know, just preparing for the master when I see somebody post someplace like Milk the Funk or in one of the other brewing forums that I'm part of. And they're like, here's my problem you know, and what, here's what I've tried and what would you do? Like, it's also good real world, you know, looking through it and thinking, okay, so if I got asked this on an exam or if I got asked this in real life, how would I answer it? And Milk the Funk is really good for that. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So, yeah, I think that's, um, I don't have a cool song to sing and I edited out the last one because do you need a song. Yeah. If you want, if, you want to, uh, you got something? PDO. That's what it makes, that's what PDO makes me think of. <laughs> it's like a monk, like a monk in a, um, in a, in his, um, monastery. I was, <laughs> I was like, what is, <laughs> what is it called? You know, when they're like singing? Like, oh, okay. That's what I've been singing all week. And I, um, at first I thought you were going for like the Ricola. Kinda, it's kind of like that, but like <laughs> these are monks, so it's serious. Oh, so, right. you know, it's, they're like chanting. It's like the monk chant, you know, but right. they're, this is how PDO caucus develops and their beers in Belgium. They sing to them. I see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that song and thank you everyone for listening. I think our, um, next episode is actually our anniversary episode. Oh yeah, and we're then, talk about us. yeah, and then we will be back <laughs> to talk about Britannomyces. So, um, any song ideas anybody has for that, you can just let I us know. We really love to hear people's songs. <laughs> I feel like I could really use some, you know, ideas, some fresh, some fresh jingles. Right. Yeah. False Bottom Girl Jingles. Right. For the False Bottom Girls album that includes the decoction mash, the <laughs> December times. Uh, I really like the decoction mash. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and hopefully this was helpful for you. As always, if you have a few minutes, please take some time to rate, review, and subscribe. I've seen a couple of more 
um, reviews on iTunes, and that's really cool to see. And it just takes a couple minutes of your time, and it helps other people learn about our podcast. And also a big thank you to everyone who has been, you know, talking about False Bottom Girls. And we're it seems like we're getting a nice new audience based on your recommendations, and that really means so much to Rachel and I. You know, when you're recording this, you don't know if anybody's going to listen, and so to hear, yeah. People not only listening, yeah, exactly. (laughs) To hear uh, people not only listening but also recommending it to people, and then seeing those people, you know, reach out and say, "I just started listening." Uh, That's really awesome, and we we definitely appreciate it. So, on that note, we will wrap it up. And I don't know any other you want to do. Take us out with a chant. I try to go as long as I could. <laughs> Actually, take a bigger breath. No, that's all I got. Pediococcus. Wild. I highly recommend the Wild Brews book if you want to learn more about Pediococcus. Agreed. Nice, nice entry level book to um, sour beers and wild, wild strings. But other than that, no, I'm good. I got nothing. This has been False Bottom Girls, and we make the brewing world go round.